guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to take a minute and thank our incredibly generous sponsors, Custom Concrete Specialists, PML Construction, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Liquid Trucking, Risk Skill Consulting. Thank you one and all. We really appreciate your support. Now today's episode. All right, we are recording. Good morning, everybody. This is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? You're going to laugh, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'll be nervous for It a is hot Friday, <laughs> November 17th, um, just a few days before Thanksgiving. So let me give everyone happy Thanksgiving wishes before I forget. You know, probably at the end I will have forgotten. So I hope everyone has a great weekend and a really fulfilling Thanksgiving, however you choose to celebrate that. My guest this morning just drove over from Des Moines. It is 9 o'clock Omaha time, and that means you had to leave by about 6 or 6.30 probably. I, I actually stayed in Omaha Did last you? night. Yeah. Oh. Well, why I'm am like, I giving you kudos I, for driving over in Yeah, the I'm a night owl, so I oh, you know, good for you. didn't want to wake up at 6 a.m. Well, my guest is Lyndon Terpstra, and we met probably a few months ago over at the Make You Safe conference over in Des Moines. Some friends of ours, mutual friends. Uh, sponsor of the program, Make You Safe. And um, we got to have a nice conversation over lunch with our buddy Pete Suska, who was also there. Pete's an incredible guy. Yeah. Had you met him before that? No, I hadn't. Real? Yeah. Well, you should put him on your roster. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pete's and amazing. So you were going to, we talked a little bit, you are going to talk about your company. Um, I feel like I'm sinking into the chair. Am I, too, am I low? <laughs> it's one of those. Kind of squishy chairs that my ass tends to drop right to the floor, unfortunately. Sorry. The Mom. hydraulics are going out. Exactly. In it. <laughs> that's, that's not by because of the chair, actually. But And so your company, tell me about, what's the name of your company? Yeah, my company's called EHS Support Source. EHS Support Source. Yeah, so we're basically a boutique EHS outsourcing brokerage. Love so it. we support clients with their outsourcing efforts. When Say they that one more time. EHS Support, support Source. Support Brokerage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boutique. Yeah, right. That makes it. I mean, I, I just send safety guys to people's places <laughs> to work. That sounds so much I know. better. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at it, but we're a boutique EHS outsourcing brokerage. So whenever customers, industry, construction need EHS support, we can help them identify individual resources. We vet those consultants or trainers through their current clients, and then we help them gather proposals. We come back to them and say, "Hey, here are a couple options for you. This is what they're going to charge." This is why they th- we think that they might be a really good fit, um, and then they select from there, and we can help them execute that transaction. So you too. do a lot of the legwork for them, or almost all of the legwork, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. I love that. Interesting. And so how long have you been doing this? Um, well, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into safety in the first place? You have a safety background, obviously. Yeah. You were in the field. You were a field safety person for a while. Totally. Consultant. Right. Um, Iowa born and bred. So went okay. to Iowa state mechanical oh. engineering, of course, got into environmental consulting, um, by accident. Definitely so out of school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mechanical so, engineer, right. environmental. Yeah. I don't even know. I thought consulting sounded super mm-hmm. fun and mm-hmm. fancy and like I'd be traveling all over the place. So I did like a few years of environmental multimedia consulting, air, waste, water, you know, the early twenties trying to figure everything out. But Somehow that migrated to process safety consulting. So for mm. a f- series of years, I was doing process safety work, auditing, full implementations, PHAs, all those kinds of things, combustible dust work, kind of just dabbling in a lot of things I maybe shouldn't have been dabbling in. You, but, do, you still do that stuff? Um, when, when needed, but for the most part now, it's just identifying other resources that can okay. support those efforts. I just had somebody asking for a dust hazard analysis. I'm happy to help them find okay. a good resource for That'd that. That'd be terrific. <laughs> Fantastic. Because I basically had to say, man, I, I don't have time to help you with that. And I'm I'm not qualified, totally. truthfully, to do a dust yeah, totally correctly. Right, exactly. Um, and, and I know enough related to combustible dust that I can help find a good resource. I, too, would probably say... I'm not the best person for that job, you know? Yeah, I can do an assessment. I, you know, I know what OSHA says about combustible dust, and I could probably do a, a reasonable assessment, but actually design mitigation strategies and things like that, I would not be qualified for Totally. That, so. I can get you to the testing. Like, let's do go, no go. Let's right. understand the combustibility of the dust. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you really want someone who knows, mm-hmm. one, one, your, like, operation, and then two, 
um, you know, your process specifically so you can make sure that you're adequately addressing those hazards. And so you are hooking risk. people up with consultants that can do this. You are, you are finding those resources. Yeah. That's fantastic because that is really daunting if you are the company and all of a sudden you have an issue like this come up, particularly one that's a little bit more sophisticated, you know, not just, you know, walk around and tell me what OSHA wouldn't like, but totally. know, actually explain some of these or develop programs or whatever. Yeah. That's really good. Especially if it's like a small site, you know, just, you know, or a smaller company, you just have a plant manager at the site and all of a sudden you have this explosion or someone comes in they're like, you have this issue or you're subject to this regulation. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. And I feel Mm. like I'll just be kind of taken advantage of if I like put myself out there. So I kind of help navigate. Yeah. I think that this is something that we need to look into. Let me find some good resources Mm -hmm. for you that one know about your industry. They know about your type of process and that, you know, would be a good personality match too. I think that plays a lot into it. It absolutely does. And so that's, wow, that's really big because, you know, being able to speak that language, having had that experience personally and being able to speak the vernacular of environmental safety and health makes a huge difference. So you can kind of weed through the bullshit from some of these consultants that really don't know what they're doing. And you can also help guide the client who often don't really know what they're asking for. Right. They know they have a challenge. So this is really, that's really a a unique skill set. Yeah. So where did you go from that first consulting gig? Yeah. Um, so after, after consulting, I actually took a break from work. This is like a whole other path, but I love I, that idea. Yeah. I, uh, tried to bicycle from Alaska to Argentina. <laughs> oh my God. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. I left from Prudhoe Bay, which is in the North slope of Alaska, <laughs> Arctic ocean, uh, in 2019. So road, road South until COVID hit, made it all the way to the bottom of Baja, California. Holy shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And you were going to Argentina. Yeah, I was going to go to the southern tip of Argentina. But Mexico kind of shut down, and they weren't really happy to have foreigners just, like, bumming around. So, so. you were denied? You could not get through? Or um, it was just going to be too difficult? Yeah. So we were in – I was with my ex-partner at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were in La Paz, which is at the bottom portion of Baja, California. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what? The, our next option was to take the ferry across to Mazatlan, uh, which is in – Sonora, Sinaloa in Mexico. And we didn't want to take that ferry trip without knowing that we could get back. So mm-hmm. we could definitely get back from Baja to the U.S. But mm-hmm. yeah, so things just got a little sketchy. I couldn't even go out for a walk. You know, the Mexican police would be like shouting wow. at me. So no kidding. Yeah, that is remarkable. Yeah. Had it not been for COVID, do you think you would have made it? I was I I was pretty determined, no you kidding. know, I was like really in the mindset of like, we're going for it. And even even we bought a car in Mexico, which was an experience in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just like a cash deal at the, at the oh, bar? Oh, yeah. Was... It was at a pawn shop. Uh-huh. <laughs> Holy shit. Drove back. And even at that point, I was studying Spanish for maybe three to four hours a day mm-hmm. and was going to keep going, you know. But Wow, that's remarkable. I got a job offer, and I was like, wow, that so where sounds that, pretty So good. where did that take you? Yeah, so then I uh, went to BAE Systems in Cedar Rapids, okay. uh, working in GPS electronics as like their pure site EHS expert dealt with a acquisition from Collins Aerospace to BAE, a new site construction. So like kind of got the full gamut of the industry experience. Mm -hmm. It was just me managing all kinds of things and COVID. So I was outsourcing a bit of work, um, had that initial experience at a big company. And then from there decided there's too much red tape in government contracting. I want to move. I want to change. I want to be able to implement updates to processes that are going to make it more efficient, better quality, better safety. And like without, I couldn't make those changes in that scenario. So I was like, well, let's go to the full other spectrum. And I went to a startup in the battery space Mm. and um, was like their second EHS person that had ever been there. So that they had no programs when I got there, was able to really do a full risk register, go to all my VPs and be like, Hey, here's what I think we should work towards. And then one by one start to like roll out all of the life critical safety programs Mm -hmm. there and do full IH risk assessment, those kinds of things. So, well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So the battery space, talk a little bit about what, what were the, uh, what were the end users? Who were the end users you were? Yeah. So, um, was this automotive batteries or, um, no. So lithium ion batteries, Mm -hmm. super cool, um, industry company, Um, but basically what they do is they take end of life 
or off spec batteries and recycle them and turn them right back into battery manufacturing materials Hmm. so that, you know, a lot of the raw materials for batteries are coming from countries where there's conflict. It's super expensive supply chain to get Mm -hmm. them from Indonesia, from the Congo to the U.S. And uh, this company is basically saying, hey, we have all these batteries. You have EVs everywhere. Let's take your batteries. Let's take the batteries from the recyclers, from the manufacturers, that kind of thing process them and send that those materials right back to the Panasonics to the battery manufacturers so it can go right back into I that see. chain. Okay. Yeah. So you were supplying the materials. Yeah, recycling through and this supplying. recycling process and Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really growing. It's a crazy oh, industry. I can't imagine. I would imagine so. Yeah. And so talk about lithium a little bit for me. Is that a large component of the battery? Yeah. I mean when you're talking about total mass of that battery, don't they also have like lead or Um, What what all is in a battery? Yeah, for sure. Um, So they predominantly did, and and as far as like battery components themselves, not a super big expert, but lithium, um, ion, and nickel metal hydride batteries is what they were recycling. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's obviously a cathode, an Mm -hmm, anode, mm -hmm. a separator in between, um, and it's filled with like an electrolyte. So there's a bunch of precious metals. There's lithium, there's copper, but lithium um, is not a rare metal, is it? I no, mean, is it li- difficult lithium, to obtain? It's just n- not a. It's not really rare. Yeah, <laughs> I can't really but speak nickel, to this I've that much. It's a little bit harder to obtain. Yeah, from what I understand. Yeah, nickel's harder. Cobalt is really hard, mm-hmm. and cobalt's like a really big part of the battery itself. Um, and I forget. There's there's a series of precious metals that they're looking at all kinds of different chemistries mm-hmm. so to see if they can like replace it because some of them i think cobalt is like only available in the congo mm-hmm. and the congo has really high conflict and oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i didn't offer you anything to drink would you like something to drink no i'm great okay yeah. we have a waiter <laughs> <laughs> there he is if you do need some water or something i apologize yeah that wasn't very thoughtful so i love that story i think the battery industry is really interesting i don't know a lot about it other than um, I've worked in automotive and trucking and things like that, where we're disposing of batteries and things like that. Yeah. But it's and that's probably where, a really interesting industry. That's where most of my experience was, was on the disposal side and how mm-hmm. to deal with these really old corroding exactly. batteries and saw like, I, I gave a talk at ASSP and at the Women in Safety Conference this year about just like battery safety, what goes into a battery Thermal events, how they happen, mm-hmm. how what happens when they do happen. Um, I saw like hundreds of thermal events mm-hmm. that happen. Would, would you mind talking about that just for a moment? Yeah. I mean, just basic battery safety for the person at home. Right. I mean, if you don't mind, I don't mean to divert from discussing your company, but we will do that. But I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. Could you share just a few thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, so lithium-ion batteries are everywhere, right? They're in your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in your power tools in your garage. Uh, if you have like a Tesla power wall or something like that or some sort of like power storage, it's probably lithium-ion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and generally, there's more and more standards coming out to dictate the manufacturing requirements, the quality requirements, and the safety requirements that go into manufacturing these products. Um, So I generally preface this with, hey, there's more and more safety standards that go into it, but it is a new industry and it is still a risk. Um, This something could catch on fire, you know, within Mm -hmm. your... And so as far as what could trigger a thermal runaway event, so let me take a step back and say, with a battery... There are certain situ- initiating factors that trigger a thermal runaway event. Um, and these could be generally where I should take a further step back and say, what's thermal runaway? What does that even mean? So if you have a battery and it starts to heat up, a lot of times they have like a cooling mechanism that like maintain the temperature. And uh, so as the battery starts to heat up, if it's not allowed, able to cool down in time, it'll just have a chemical reaction that turns into a fire that heats it up even more all the, to this point that it spontaneously combusts. Mm. And there's like very little that you can do to put it out. You kind of just have to let it process right. go through its fire scenario. Um, but the initiating factors for that are like thermal abuse. So if it's exposed to hot temperatures, okay. if you have like, um, you know, if you're welding nearby or mm-hmm. really hot 
ambient temperatures or something like that. Okay. Um, mechanical abuse. So if you have like you drop this yeah, battery, you all the drop time, which it. Happens every day on yeah. every construction site. In you see like forklift fires in industrial mm-hmm. plants. You know they might have gotten into an accident. Mm-hmm. It takes time for this like heat to build up. Um, so crushing, compression, those kinds of things, and then electrical abuse. So if there's a short somewhere, in if the you charging like, mechanism or within the battery itself, yeah, it could be. It could both. be within like, the device that's utilizing. It, it could be within the battery. It could be like where all the batteries are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. It could be because it got overcharged because the management system said, "Oh, it just like had a fault in it or mm-hmm. something like that." Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's lots of different. There's all kinds of other weird ones too. Like I don't know if you saw the EV. I think it was in Fort Lauderdale. There was uh, flooding from the ocean and that triggered all of these EVs to go thermal at one time because there were salt bridges oh, that, that salt formed. Water. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about batteries. No, no. Yeah. I think that's really fascinating stuff. And I don't think people have a tremendous respect for batteries. And I've heard a lot of, um, you know, just like the, the tools, the battery tools that overcharge and, you know, catch fire in your garage or in your home or something or at, on a work site. Yeah. Which is kind of scary. Yeah. Do so, they need to be unplugged? They should never be plugged in overnight, or what should we be doing? Um, that's a great question. I tend to unplug everything. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to have leave, just leave things on the charger. Yeah. But now I'm thinking about, I need to go home and check my workbench and make sure that those chargers are unplugged. Oh, yeah. my God. I hate that when I have to, you know. I'll write it down. So, yeah, they go thermal, you know, and if you look at any of the emergency response stuff, all, all the fire departments, many there's many rural fire departments, right? And they don't know how to deal with these electric vehicle fires or mm-hmm. something. But generally, at this time, until a better suppression methodology is identified, they just have to let it burn. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, even these major um, battery energy storage systems, when they catch fire, they just have to let it yeah, burn. But the, a, a big risk, obviously, along with the fire is like, um, so if these do go thermal, there's toxic fumes that are coming off of them. Mm-hmm. So like um, they're emitting hydrofluoric acid, they're emitting hydrochloric acid. So generally just want to, you know, if it's a small battery. Stand upwind. And- yeah, right. But if it's a big, big fire, yeah. keep that in mind. And so that's going to become a new, this is going to be a big deal. I mean, as we continue to build larger and larger storage facilities you know and um yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah everything's being electrified yeah, everywhere very cool anyway that's awesome and so then from that company yeah you left that company obviously at some point yeah i started i started scheming this idea i think it was because um i had a ih consultant in that role and he was not performing well. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I wasn't able to be a part of the selection process. I'm yeah. not saying I at that time I like could have selected better, but he was making my life really difficult. He wasn't adding any value. He was charging a lot of money, and um, like my concern, I feel like as you are too, is like really about the people on the floor and what they're being exposed to, and making sure that. There's not this situation down the road, like, did you work in the battery recycling industry from this year to this year? You know, like, I'm thinking about all these things in advance, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I want to make sure that we're looking at everything we need to be looking at. And so, but I, I really wasn't happy with his performance, and there was another series of consultants that I was like, gosh, it's just like, hiring them made my life more difficult mm-hmm. than, help, you know, like, helping me right. do whatever I needed to do. And so I kind of started scheming this idea um, in quarter four of last year. And then, uh, yeah, in January, I was just like, all right, let's go for it. Good for you. No better time than the present. Fantastic. And it's going well? Yeah, it's going well. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, slowly, you know, just more and more projects um, Mm -hmm. supporting each month. And it's it's good. I love that. And so describe a little bit about what the process is, how that works. When a, uh, a company contacts you. And says, we are looking for this type of support or we believe we need this type of support. How does this work? Yeah. So it could, it could be anything across the EHS spectrum. And if I'm, if I'm being really honest with myself, I probably need to niche down a little harder to, to any particular subject. But, you know, for example, someone just told me, Hey, we need confined space entry and attendant training and we need scaffolding awareness training. I'm just too slammed right now. I can't, I can't go out and do it. So they wanted this training in Lincoln for this many people. And this was like the ideal time frame that they mm-hmm. wanted it. So I reached out to a couple of people, you included, mm-hmm. to say, hey, Doug, 
um, do you want to submit a proposal for this effort? This is what I need from you. I need three client references that I personally call contact to get a review on your mm-hmm, work performance. Mm-hmm. How much do you want to charge for it? Those kinds of things. And for every person that I meet with, I meet with them like virtually as well. I want to make sure they're normal. They're going to be a good fit. You You're know? talking about the consultants. Yeah, the consultant point. side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess on the industry side. Try normal? To- <laughs> really? Safety and health consultant? Normal? <laughs> That's a stretch. Yeah, I know a lot of safety and health consultants, and most of us are odd. Yeah, no, we're, we're at the best. One kind. Yes, no, I understand because yeah. I mean that relationship is critical. Obviously, as you talked about, you get into a situation where you have a consultant that either may not know their the trade well, or may not know their craft particularly well, or they're just incapable of like interpersonal communications and those kind of things. So, yeah. So you're weeding all that stuff out up front. Yeah. I love that. The high level, I, I see what their clients are saying about them. I'm capturing all of that on my website, so it's very public. For On the consultant side, I really want people that are super um, service-focused, really excited about getting capturing their reviews from their clients. They know their clients are just going to talk really well about mm-hmm. them. So I'm working with them. Um, then I go back and I say, hey, to my industry client, here are a couple options. Here's why I, I think Doug might be a great fit. This is what Doug's going to charge. He's more expensive. This is why he has all this experience at OSHA. He brings on a simulator to simulate that. I don't know if you do that, but mm-hmm. this confined space entry mm-hmm. situation. And it really gives them like an on-site practical perspective. And uh, I'm, you know, no pressure to move forward, but here are a couple options that I found. think they might be a good fit. Let me know if you want to wow. execute that. Okay. And then, Yeah. And so, so the process then, they've come to you with a, with a, ch- a question or a problem or a challenge yeah. of some sort, and you help sort that out, kind of develop a scope of work per se, something a little bit more detailed. And then you can, if you don't have someone in your pool already, your existing pool of consultants, which I guess is probably continually growing, yeah. you're doing those interviews all the time. Totally. And then you find a few people that might be interested. If they are interested and available, they would give, they would submit to you a you know, a proposal. Yeah. And then you can go back and you can discuss that with the client. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Yeah. I think it's, I really like that. There's a lot of ambiguity with going out there. If you go to a big firm, you don't really know who's going to manage it. But mm-hmm. I, I try to say, Hey, Doug's the one that's going to be managing this project. He's going to be the one that you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you kind of get that. First I think that's hand. good. So I worked for a company called Terracon consultants at oh, one yeah. time, quite a long time ago. This was back in the mid nineties, probably before you were born. And um, it was interesting because my boss, uh, who's been on the program, Leon Meyer, who's just an amazing environmental compliance person, uh, would go out and get the work. And then she would come back and throw it on my desk and say, can you do this? And I was like, I've never heard of this. What is this? Yeah. She said, oh, you can figure it out. You know? And so I think, I think there are times where you think you're getting one thing. They probably believed they were getting Leanne to do the work, and then the work would be given to me. And I think that happens quite often in consulting. I've had situations where people have retained me to do certain work, and I would send one of my guys to do it. Yeah. And they were sometimes not disappointed by that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that transparency and really, you know, clearly defining what's going to take place is really useful for the client. Yeah. You don't you don't you don't come up with this quite the same level of disappointment sometimes, or you don't want surprises necessarily. Totally. And then on like that, I think there's quite little accountability for really serving your clients well and doing a good job. And, and I mean that mostly from a positive way. If someone, if you're going above and beyond for your client, like let's capture that. Let's say, oh yeah, Doug really was successful. He met his client's need. He did, he did well. So on both sides, when that project is being executed, I say to the consultant, hey, I'm going to ask for a review for you for this project. So I just want to make sure you know that. Mm-hmm. Do a really good job. Mm-hmm. And on the industry side, I'm saying, I really want you to review and let me know how things with Doug go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like Uber in a sense because there's critiques going both directions. Do your, I would assume that your consultants then have an opportunity to critique the company and just oh, say for- they were a joy to work with or they were really difficult or – those kind of things as well, which yeah. I think is how Uber kind of works. They get to rate the driver, and then they also get to rate the passenger and all of those kind of things, which has really worked out well. If people know they're being critiqued, they probably pay a little bit more attention to it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. 
And I guess like, I love every conversation cause I, I hadn't really thought about critiquing the industry side, but totally like definitely something that I should be getting reviews on. If anything, just to think through, okay, who might be a better fit yeah. for them next time? No you doubt. Know? What was the experience like? Yeah. What, you know, how were they to deal with? What was their safety maturity level? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how, at what level should I kind of be communicating with them too? Wow. That's really good. Yeah. So do you, are you doing this all in your head at this point? Do you have some kind of an algorithm that you're, Oh, I, I mean, um, at this point, these, these thoughts and stuff are just coming from you and you are orchestrating this. Um, so I have a web-based platform. Mm-hmm. I spent quarter one, quarter two kind of building this online platform. Okay. Uh, big mistake if you're starting a business, I think getting, <laughs> <laughs> and don't go out and just build this like online website just for like but you May, like April to hit and like, oh, cool. I like actually really need some customers to go on this website, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it would have been a lot better to maybe start it earlier, but uh. now we're figuring it out. So I have a web-based platform, individual consultants have profiles on it. It's, it's growing. Mm-hmm. I, I like to preface by saying, Hey, I'm, I'm early on yeah. a 10 year journey to really understanding this landscape, but everyone, every consultant on there has an expertise scorecard. So you can add all of your project history. I don't mind for you. It's like how many years, 30 years of experience, but, and then all of your client reviews go on there too. Mm-hmm. That feeds into your scorecard. So it says, Hey, Doug is the best industrial hygienist in the state of Nebraska. He knows all about these industries. So it's categorized by the type of work you're doing, the industries you're supporting and the locations in which you're doing mm-hmm. work. So when someone in a couple of years is going to search for that, they can really easily see mm-hmm. who is the highest rated person that does this in my space. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So are consultants now coming to you and asking to be a part of the platform? They, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, every couple, you know, I had someone sign up yesterday. Oh, so. that's awesome. So yeah. one thing that we will do is post your contact information in the notes. Uh, it'll go out on LinkedIn and it'll be in the notes of this episode. So if consultants out there are interested, they should get in touch with you and see if they can convince you that they're worthy of being posted on the site. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That and, would be fantastic. And if maybe there's industry professionals people at loss insurance companies or something like that, that kind of are thinking about going out on their own. I'm also building resources for them to help them navigate that transition. Fantastic. Yeah. What are you telling new consultants? What do you, what, what should they be doing? Do you give them counsel on like, they have to have insurance, they have to have an LLC or something set up. They have to, I mean, if you're working with established consultants, those things are already in place, but maybe new consultants that might be. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm building kind of a roadmap for them to do that. Um, partnering with a bunch of different companies. So like a registered agent, partnering with an insurance company agency to bring in guidance about what kind of insurance do you need? You mm-hmm. Professional liability, commercial general liability. Okay, cool. But like what, at what level, you know, because mm-hmm. every client's a little different. If you go to a major GC, they're going to have really high insurance requirements. Right. If you go to a small fab shop, they're they might not even have any. They don't right. even know. Yeah, you they know? Don't know, right? Yeah. So that's exactly right. Um, one, that's like the logistical side. I think a lot of questions come up on that, and then two, uh, the marketing side. You know, cu- talking to cu- talking to customers in a way where you really understand where their needs are, and like how can you position yourself by, based on your unique experience to like serve those needs. Mm-hmm. That's really, I, I like that a lot, and so. How long are you involved? Once you get them connected, yeah. do you also you stay involved in some capacity? Are you are you handling invoicing and stuff for your consultants so right. it's coming through you? Yeah. Okay, so you are administering the contract essentially. Totally. Yep, okay, administering good. the contract. It would get subbed to these consultants. And right. the benefit on the industry side to that too is if they had like one MSA with me, like one of my clients has an MSA with me, he can access all these different resources through that one MSA, mm-hmm. you know? I like that. And That's so fantastic. Less of an administrative burden for him. Long term, I have this pipe dream of saying, this is exactly where you spent your EHS budget with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you spent it on this much for SPCC plans. So they can really look at, maybe next year we want to bring on an environmental specialist that can do all of our SPCC right. plans for us. Wow, that is so much more sophisticated than anything I've ever done. You are much smarter than me. (laughs) (laughs) That that really is eloquent. And, uh, man, I'm writing stuff on napkins still, I think, (laughs) you know. So I I really appreciate that because I think 
the ability to do that back look and do that analysis is useful and um yeah I'm just about done. I mean, you no. know, let's, let's, let's admit it. You yeah. know. But we okay. would love to have Fletcher Safety on there. Yeah, I mean, for sure. If we can qualify. It sounds like it's a fairly rigorous uh, I've test. already I've already reached out to you. Yeah, yeah. well. Um, tell me. Okay, so in every – I've been meeting with loads of consultants. I, mm-hmm. I love it so well, much. Well, I was on your website. I recognize some of the consultants. Oh, yeah. Ezra, I know some of Ezra was on there, even though Ezra, you mm-hmm. know, works for Marsh McLennan mm-hmm. and everything. And but. Uh, Lorna. Oh, yeah, Lorna, yeah. Lorna Puntalo and I used to work together back in the old days. Oh, really? Yeah. We had coffee a, a couple months ago. She's crazy. She, yeah, she is. I love yeah, it, though. Yeah. I love yeah, the crazy one. She is really a go-getter, though. Yeah. She was – I, you know what I love? Um, even yesterday I met with someone, and she gave me super direct feedback. And I think, like, as a Midwesterner, as, like, an Iowan, I'm like, oh, I'm so sensitive, you know? But mm-hmm. I was like, this is – I need that. Mm-hmm. I need you to tell me as it is. And so – and Lauren is exactly that. Oh, she's yeah. She's not going to hold back anything no, no. she thinks. Well, she's been doing this for a while, too. Yeah. And uh, I, I worked with her just for a few years when I left OSHA and started my own business. And so she subcontracted me for some projects. And so I learned quite a bit from her. Yeah. About how this works. Yeah, she's and, been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. She's been doing a long she time. She was on, I think, the – um, commissioner for mm-hmm. Iowa, uh, she environmental. Was. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so. At, you know, I meet with all these consultants, right. And, um, I love hearing their origin story. Mm-hmm. So I know you've been doing this a long time. You've probably chatted about it, but uh-huh. like at what you went from OSHA after being at OSHA for a long time, it sounds like you were at Terracon as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, transition to starting your own firm. Mm-hmm. So how did that process go for you? What was the point at which you're like, that's enough. I got to do it. I'm going to take the plunge. Well, that's interesting. You, you've known me, obviously, for a month or two now. So you realize I'm just kind of, I mean, I'm not strategic. In the, I'm a very tactical. You know, today, what am I going to do today? I don't have a great strategy. In fact, Leanne asked me one time, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, I'm just thinking about lunch right now. If, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you ask me in the morning, I'm going to ask, you know, what are we having for lunch? If you yeah. ask me in the afternoon, what's for dinner? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really strategic in that respect. I've had to become more so, but I never really had a plan of becoming a consultant. I just, you know, uh, worked for the Department of Defense, worked for Terracon, worked for the Department of Labor, reached a point within OSHA where philosophically I was just struggling a little bit too much. And I was, I had been moved into a management position and I, it was kind of look, looked like I was destined for more management. Yeah. And um, I just didn't really love that aspect of the work. I really loved the work. And I really enjoy the um, the interaction with the you know people and serving you know people's needs. I mean, I really enjoy that part of it. But the management side of OSHA was challenging to me. And so, you know, 2013 things. I just was it was kind of a struggle. And um, you know, I spoke to my wife about it. And um, you know, we prayed on it. <clears throat> you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Kind of a thing. And um, things just started falling into place. You know, certain things started happening that suggested to me that the path was correct. So at the end of 2013, I resigned. And, uh, you know, being in OSHA, I wasn't really able to start doing a lot of marketing or anything. I mean, that was totally unethical, and I'm a reasonably ethical guy, so I wasn't about to go start, hey, I'm leaving in two months if you guys, you know. (laughs) I know what they're looking at. So, I, I mean, I didn't do that. That just wouldn't have been right. You know? Right. And so I don't have a lot of good habits, but, you know, at least some eth- ethics, you know. So I cut loose from OSHA and started with nothing. I set up, you know, my corporation after that. I started reaching out to people after that. So I went from, you know, like, 60, miles, 60 to zero overnight, had no income or anything. And so it was terrifying. Had to cash in an IRA to get some money to live on for a while while I was trying to, you know, get the word out and try to, I mean, I didn't have an attorney. I didn't have an, I have an accountant who's my sister-in-law, fortunately, you know, but I did nothing. I mean, I really had no plan of any kind. Yeah. Which is typical. Totally. That's kind of how I operate. And so I just started, you know, sending out some information. Hey, I'm available if you need some help. And got to be honest, you know, the first Six months of 2014 were pretty lean, mm-hmm. but it just, you know, I mean, it's kind of a word of mouth thing. Not really a big marketer necessarily, but, you know, that spread relatively quickly. Having a background in OSHA has been very helpful. Totally. Because people, you know, they want 
some guidance on interacting with the agency and you know still having friends and colleagues in the agency. So I'm not suggesting that it's anything about me. There's nothing special about me other than I do have that relationship mm-hmm. and an understanding of how the agency works and some of those things. So yeah. navigating that has been helpful for my clients, I think, to some degree. And now I just I've had the good fortune of meeting some amazing people. It's all about networking, obviously. And totally. So, so that's kind of how it got started. But it was a little rough in the beginning. I, <laughs> I, um, I think I see that more often than not is, you know, people in EHS are like climbing, you know, all the consultants that I talk to that are kind of independent. They're like, I just I really loved being on site and doing the work. And I found myself climbing this ladder and I wasn't fulfilled by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they wanted to be on site and work on projects, but just not in that, like very much so in the, in a more flexible kind of environment mm-hmm. where they can support multiple people. Okay. So in those first like six months in 2014, how, how were you really positioning yourself or were you saying, Hey, I can come on site, just do a quick inspection, you know, well, what, what did you find worked well and what did you find definitely didn't work well? Well, that, you know, the one thing I did have and probably maybe shouldn't admit on record, but I did have a lot of email contacts from my OSHA days. Oh, yeah. I had been the outreach person for a number of years. And so that afforded me the opportunity to meet everyone in Nebraska. And so I may have left the agency with 2,500 emails or something. Yeah. Contacts in the state. And I'd made, you know, developed relationships with a lot of people. So when I started reaching out, a lot of people contacted me initially about, well, I've, I just had an OSHA inspection and this is what happened. Can you help me? Or, you know, I've had an ocean inspection and I have to take these corrective actions. Can you help me? Yeah. And then it started being, you know, well, um, a little bit more proactive. Can you do an OSHA audit for us and just tell us where we might be vulnerable yeah. to citation or something? And so that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And I was a pump hanger when I was in the field. So I started doing some IH work, you know, coming out of the winter, though. There was not a lot of IH work early because it's typically a winter activity for the most part. And yeah. so, but, and then I just started, you know, I worked on my own for a number of years. And then when I found that I didn't have expertise, I would just go get some buddies to do some moonlighting that might have had expertise in certain areas or yeah, something. Yeah, supplement so, your background. And now I've been doing it for 10 years exactly. I mean, I think it might be today, might be my 10 year anniversary. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, made it for 10 years. We'll have to go get a beer or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's been very exciting. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I would I would caution people that, you know, I've known some consultants that didn't have a good niche necessarily mm-hmm. or, a, or the uh, connections necessarily. Yeah. And that can be challenging. If you have a niche, if you have an area of expertise, then you probably like, my buddy Chris uh, is a Haswhopper guy, mm-hmm. and he's really good at it. And so that's a that's a really useful niche. Or my buddy Joe does rail safety and yeah. PSM. Those are unique skill sets. And so I can fit them in pretty easily. If you're just, you know, I'm just kind of an average generalist, there are a lot of those. I think your OSHA background definitely positions, at least for that initial connection, you super well, especially if you, you, they have an inspection, it went really poorly. You already know everyone at OSHA, mm-hmm. or at least probably when you first got started. Mm-hmm. So you can help navigate those conversations. Yeah, like, hey, lay off of this. You know, like, this is what they're doing for it, you know. Exactly. Well, I have, um, I usually make phone calls in the morning because overnight I've gotten a bunch of text messages requested. So I had a, uh, a client. Uh, they had an inspection in Arizona, and he, they received citations. And so he texted me and said, hey, I need some help understanding some of these things and discussing. Sometimes I'm just a sounding board as much as anything. Yeah. I think a lot of people just want affirmation that they're on the right path. Totally. They need somebody with a little bit more credibility to just confirm, you know, confirm for them that, yeah, you're doing the right things. Yeah. Or maybe you need to tweak it a little bit. Totally. I do a lot of that. Yeah. Um, a lot it's of really that valuable. Just, yeah, and I don't get paid for that. <laughs> you know, that's really the challenge. Yeah, right. You know, How do you quantify that as far as like the value that right. you are adding? Then? You know, people call and just say, hey, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Well, I make my living answering questions or doing those things, but I don't charge people for totally. that. Totally. There's really so. And you don't want to come across like you're nickel and diming yeah, anyone. I don't want to do yeah. that to them. If they, if they have been loyal to me, then I yeah, do that totally. without exception. You know, if you need some help, you know, great. I think it's definitely the struggle of 
like the entrepreneur too, is, you know, finding this balance of, I, I will go bend over backwards to serve you, to solve your problems, to do anything I can. And, but my time is valuable too, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I have to, I, it's funny. I catch myself giving advice to other people. I told someone the other day, I'm like, you're not, you're not charging enough. Like I, to me, what that says about you is your time maybe I need to find someone who charges more, you yeah. know, because it's, you're not charging you enough. Undervalue that. your yeah, you're undervalued. contribution. Perhaps. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I need to listen to that own it, my own advice, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's hard when it's yourself, I think. No doubt. I, yeah. I have had, um, I do not a lot, but I used to do quite a bit of expert witness type stuff, yeah. um, work comp cases, other types of claims and things like that. And, um, I had an attorney tell me one time, you, you have to charge more. You're, you're messing it up for the rest of us. Yeah, you yeah. Because I charge five times what you're charging or whatever. Yeah, and that you're makes making me look, look bad. really bad. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I wasn't aware of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started my business. You're just doing your hourly rate. Yeah, sure. I was just using my hourly rate. And I was just kind of, you know. So, and I had a, like an employer recently say, we're going to start paying you more because you haven't raised your rates in 10 years. And I'm just like, okay. I, you know. Yeah. I mean. I, I don't want to say that I don't do it for the money because obviously I do it for the money. Yeah. But it's not, the money isn't what drives me to do the work. Totally. Necessarily, you know. I love the relationships I have with my clients. Yeah. And I want them to – I want to give them peace of mind, right, that they've got their – that's kind of what I offer people. Yeah. Peace of mind. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's kind of what consultants are, mm-hmm. I think, to some degree. But it is an interesting world. I, I, have, I love it, and I'm very grateful that it's worked. Yeah. You know, and I'm reaching the end here at some point. And so what are you excited about? Like at some point, what are you excited about in your next chapter? Are you kind of just going to wing that one too? Uh, It'll obviously (laughs) just be like Bo Dodeo go through and see what happens. Uh, That's just kind of how I function. You're going to buy a boat, get really into fishing. That's a possibility. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of that, but let me write that down. But um, I do enjoy fishing. Um, I, I have, interestingly, I want to turn my business over. I don't want it to. I don't want to just close the doors and leave my clients hanging. Yeah. This has been one of my fears. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen. So for 10 years, I have looked for people that I think would be suitable to kind of transition the business over to. Yeah. And I have found those people now. And so really, it's just a matter of do they want that? Are they interested in that? And what does that transition look like? I'm certainly not a business-minded person necessarily. And then I would be... I would really enjoy um, business development, perhaps, yeah, and let them do the work. There's some bright young people out there, and not so young people out there that are still really contributing significantly. So totally. I, I would love to see that, yeah, and just transition out, and mm-hmm. um, you know, let them take. Let, and I would imagine that, given these bright, young, ambitious minds, the business would look totally different because. You know, my plan is still on a napkin, as I said, you know, so if somebody actually wanted to do it and do it well, yeah, I think it could, you know, thrive. So I'd, I'd be interested in seeing that. That'd be awesome. It would I'm be. I'm excited kinda, for you. I still enjoy it, right? Yeah. And because I, mean, I think what you find a lot of fulfillment is, is like keeping those relationships and like really, you know, just having those relationships with other people. So you're not losing the part of your work that you probably enjoy. That one of the most parts. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. I do enjoy the relationships and I don't want to disappoint people. I'm kind of a people pleaser, which has not always been a great characteristic. I had some difficulty with saying no to people in the beginning. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I am appreciative of over the last 10 years is that I, I have developed an understanding of what I do well. Mm-hmm. And what I don't do particularly well. Yeah. And if there's not someone that can assist me with doing those things, I, I have to say no. Mm-hmm. Or now I can send them to you if, yeah. that were, if that were the case. You know, you need to call Lyndon and see if she has somebody that can do this. And I have somebody in mind for, you know, that I'm going to send to you, the person that was looking for the dust hazard analysis. I could not help them. And none of my guys could do that or were interested in doing that. So yeah, I hate telling people I can't help you. And then, you know, another thing – I. I am meeting with a lot of consultants that are actually phasing out of the workforce too. And mm-hmm. they're, a lot of them are sole proprietors and, and they don't really have this space where they can kind of like sell their business, you mm-hmm. know, because their business is them. them yeah. But then like for any project leads that come from these individuals, 
if they bring, you know, if I can help support their clients, then generally I'm, I'm splitting the markup with them. Oh, nice. and, and my markup is, you know, substantially less than any major firm would charge. Understood. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how mine works too. I don't, I don't make a ton of money off my guys. If yeah. I sub some work out and most of my guys just moonlight. Yeah. You know, they're guys that have their own gig or they have full-time jobs or whatever. And they do a little bit on the side for a little Christmas money or something, you know, or just because they enjoy doing it. Yeah. And so the markup is not significant, you know, but you know, I love it. I yeah. enjoy it. What What are your plans? I mean, you obviously you're in the beginning of your development first year. You're still yeah. within the first year. Yeah. And so you've got a 10 year plan. You seem like a person that has a plan. I'm at, Do you? I guess I'm just like very focused. You know, I think like on my bike trip, I was like, I'm, I've got eyes on this thing and I'm just mm-hmm. going to like keep marching in that direction. And on my bike trip, it was like every, every day, 35 miles, you know, let's just make, get a little closer. Let's get a little closer. Let's take one step in the right direction. Yeah, sure. Maybe we're like halted for today or whatever, but so kind of moving forward, I think networking is absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm very big on relationships first, transaction second. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that I chatted with this year that I was just like, I just want to get to know you. I just want to understand mm-hmm. how you're how you're doing things, what you like, what you want to do, what what's your next step, and how can I be that stepping stone to get you in the next step? Whether that benefits me or not, I'm I get like a lot of joy and satisfaction that, out of that. That is going that. to serve you well. Yeah, I hope uh, so. Yeah. I, no, I sincerely mean that. Um, I think people that I, I work with people from time to time who's Obsession is the money. Mm-hmm. How much money can I make off of this? And then, you know, everything else kind of takes second place. And I, that, that's never been my approach. And I, I, I mean, maybe those are the people that turn into, you know, big corporate entities. But I don't know how satisfying that would be. I think that totally. would be. So I, I think what you're doing is the best way to approach this. Because consulting is just about relationships and then providing a useful service, yeah, you know, and so asking questions and listening and really, you know, what the client needs, what the consultant needs, yeah, those are the right questions. So good for you. You're pretty young to have reached that level of wisdom. Uh, so too kind. I, no, I think that's impressive. I was listening to this podcast with the Airbnb a founder. I don't know, it was a couple months ago, I think maybe, and um, you know, everyone knows Airbnb, right? And mm-hmm. He built and he spent every day, day and night building Airbnb, didn't have a relationship, kind of not forgot about all of his friends, but was just so busy and invested in this thing and obsessed with it and getting it going and all these things. And he was talking about how he sold the business for however much it was, billions of dollars or something like that. And he was like sitting at home and he was like, now, now what? I have all the money in the world, but I don't have anything else in my Mm -hmm. life. You know, and I was like, that's exactly the opposite of what I want. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. And at the very end of the day, you know, I hope everything works out. But if it doesn't, I have made up so many friends and so many professional acquaintances. And it's, you know, it's been so much fun. No, I'm I have a feeling it's it. going to work out for you. I think that's going to work well. I think the recipe that you've come up with is perfect. And there are a lot of really capable consultants out there yeah. that, that don't necessarily do the portion of the work that you're doing for them. Yeah. Just making that connection. And I think what, you you know, kind of doing a little bit of vetting on behalf of the client. Yeah. That's important too. You know, putting the right people with the right client is really critical. And I've tried to do that based on personalities and, you know, technical skills, but, but mostly personalities. Yeah, for sure. That's how it works out. That's really exciting. Yeah. So far, so good, right? So far, so good. And one year in. One year. I think most businesses, I don't know anything about it. I'm just making this shit up. But I think, <laughs> you know, small businesses fail at a pretty high rate. Yeah. And I think it's because of kind of um, just getting the priorities backward a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think you're coming at it from the right direction. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you would probably agree. That's my biggest recommendation to anyone is or just expand your network. Have conversations. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out there learn about other people, right? Mm-hmm, no doubt. Yeah. And so you are offering just, just, to, just to kind of wrap this up. Yeah. The stuff that you offer, I saw your website. I like your website very much. And you have, you have kind of a page with your consultants or at least yeah. 
the consultants based on at the time you put that together because I know you're adding consultants regularly. And then you have all of the areas, you know, the, the uh, services you offer, yeah. environmental, health, safety, and, you know, a broad range of services. Yeah. Which is really important. Really niche down too. So mm-hmm. you can see, you know, if you're Googling, I don't know if you've Googled for anything lately, but if you're Googling for something, you're like, ah, I want the whatever industrial hygienist in Nebraska, mm-hmm. but all these weird stuff pop mm-hmm. up or whoever, whoever is at the top, but you can really search, Hey, I want what an IH risk assessment. And you can see who is the highest mm-hmm. rated for that within your, within my within group your, of consultants. I like that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, do you have to work with them with like a, that a search engine optimization organization Probably or something? Probably need to improve that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I paid some asshole a bunch of money <laughs> in the very beginning. I just did so many things wrong in the beginning. I know. That's, you know? yeah. No. I fell for, oh, I got to have this. Oh, I got to have that. I mean, I do have an attorney. Yeah. Primarily helped me in the beginning getting those things set up and getting the S Corp set up and things like that. But then I had the, the website. I mean, my original website was developed by the 14-year-old that lived next door. You I know? love that. He put the first one together, and yeah. it was great. He probably did pretty good. He yeah. did fine. And yeah. then some, you know, then I got onto this, oh, I got to have this other, you know, and then I spent SEO. a bunch of money. and I, was like, you I know. think you are pretty high-ranking, though, because you've been around for a long time. So. Yeah, just if, if sure age if has search, anything to do with Google. I'm sure if you, I'm sure if you search safety consultant <laughs> right. in Nebraska, you'd be pretty near the top. I don't want people to search. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of work. I don't need any more work. Yeah, you got like a whole listener base, Yeah, so. we're Yeah, we're, yeah. we're really busy. And, Man, I don't want people that are listening to think I'm trying to market to them. I'm not. We're trying to market your business to the people listening. I don't really need any more business, truth. I mean, I'm not saying that, yeah. but we're just too busy, you yeah. know, so. And I get, yeah, I guess just genuinely, I love hearing I want people's to to stories. Oh, cool. You're so nice. I love, I love hearing the stories too. And I'm excited that you're in this space. That's a really interesting space. You have a great approach to it. I think it's going to be very successful. I just somehow need to get our company on your website. Let's do it. We probably don't qualify. You do. You're on there. I'll put <laughs> you on there. Good. <laughs> yeah. So um, plans for Thanksgiving? What, what's uh, a traditional Thanksgiving like? I'm actually flying uh, out today. I'm going to Australia. What? Yeah. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. I'm going to Melbourne. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Really? Not saying I'm not living this high style lifestyle, you know, but oh. spending lots of time with my family in Iowa living this very low key yeah. life. But yeah, I'm spending a couple of weeks Good there. Good for you. You have an adventurous spirit, it sounds like. We're just seeing where the wind blows. Yeah, I ride my bike to the end of the neighborhood and then I call for an Uber <laughs> to get home. I don't I mean I can't imagine riding from Alaska to Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Unbelievable. And with the intention of going further. That's that's pretty amazing. So you do have that kind of a, that uh wanderlust? Yeah, is I that guess. what it is you yeah. think, or just that adventurous? You kind of remind me of Jim Steele. Do you know Jim Steele? No. So Jim is the uh, safety director at Airlight Plastics, okay. kind of down by the airport here in Omaha. Gotcha. And he went down to he was in South America somewhere doing some adventure race, and then he's you know taking his motorcycle across Europe, and then he's I Emmy's mean, that you know yeah. It's would, a big deal for me to drive guy. to Council Bluffs. Oh, come on. You know, truthfully, yeah. I, you know, that's a huge adventure for me. <laughs> you went to Des Moines a couple months oh, ago. Oh, <laughs> I've been to Des Moines, sure. Exactly. Yeah. But oh, I heard you're over the conference game, though. Not where you want to spend your time. Mm, I enjoy the Make You Safe conference. Yeah, Make You Safe is unbelievable. They did a great conference. Yeah. It's, the conference is for the right reasons and some very interesting people there. Yeah. I'm over the big conference thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would go to the big conferences when I was with OSHA every year. You'd go to the national safety. And I'm not disparaging those conferences. Yeah. But they just didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. And now that I'm paying for it out of my pocket, totally. I'm very selective in, you know, what I would do with that. Totally. So I'm not, I'm not a huge conference guy. Right. You know, if I need to learn something, I just look it up. Yeah. You can use that Google thing you mentioned. I know, I know. Learn quite a bit. Or... The individual conversations, you know, conferences are amazing and you meet so many people in like a really short amount of time. But yeah, for me, it's the individual conversations where you can really get to know somebody. Much more so for me too. Yeah. I would agree. What do you, what do you listen to on the, on the YouTube or the, do you have podcasts that you listen to other than this one, of course? Um, yeah. I listen to some business related podcasts. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a bootstrapped founder. Do you know what that means? Mm-mm. <laughs> it means I, I don't plan to take any venture capital for mm. what I'm doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's venture capital? 
<laughs> you know, my mom loaned me 50 bucks when I started my business. Yeah, did Is that venture capital? <laughs> yeah. Did she take a stake in your company? <laughs> uh, I don't think she even knows I have a company. I just asked her for 50 bucks and she was pretty. But so bootstrap, you're paying for it yourself. Yeah, just self-funded. And so, um, but you are the, the sole owner. Yeah. You own the entire Yeah, thing. I Good can kind of like dictate who calls the shots. That's important. Which is me. Yeah. And maybe that's a pain point, but <laughs> no, no, that's that's important. Yeah. So, and some podcasts on that armchair expert. Do you mm-hmm. listen to Dak Shepard? I know Dak Shepard. You do? Yeah, he was an actor, right? Yeah. I know who he is. Oh. I, can, I see his face. I, I've not listened to his podcast. Should I? He, oh yeah, he has an amazing uh, long form interview podcast. Okay. And uh, kind of a Joe Rogan format. I yeah, think. Joe Rogan, but he. What's really cool about it is he gets really vulnerable with all of his like very well known guests, mm-hmm. and so they're telling their life stories and mm. you know different different things that you str- they've struggled with that mm-hmm. you wouldn't hear really anywhere else right from them. So they super- seem like actual people. Yeah, it literally brings them down to earth. Because so. I I find most celebrities repulsive. Yeah. So maybe that that element of vulnerability would be endearing because I typically I've yeah you know most of them just. But he also has like um, – he has like one section that's actors and musicians and all this stuff. And then he has another section that's like scientists. So he has all kinds of weird people that come on. Mm-hmm. One talked about owls. You know, mm. I'm, not, I'm not plugging that. No, no. I, yeah. It sounds like Tim Ferriss to me kind of. Yeah, know, Tim yeah. Ferriss. Mm-hmm. I really here's, – so here's my plan. You asked me if I have any plans. I yeah. do have a plan. So Tim Ferriss, for those who don't know him, is the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Cook – yeah. I mean, he's written a number of books. He's got a, a podcast. I'm not sure he actually has a job. He just kind of does all this stuff, but he he has a long-form podcast as well. And he wrote a book called Tools of Titans where he took all of these interviews he had done, these long podcasts with amazing people yeah, and condensed them down into one or two pages. And then he would talk about, you know, there's like, uh, so he interviews Elon Musk and here's what Elon Musk's morning routine is. And here's what Elon Musk recommends for, you know, starting a business, et cetera. And he kind of condensed everything down. I'm going to take four years of podcasts that we've done here and condense those down into one page abstracts of, you know, the take home messages, the little nuggets of wisdom that come out in each of these episodes. Totally. And put those together into a book of some sort. That's on my to do yeah. list. Um, love that. Can imagine Pete would have like Pete's five pages of, of that. A lot of wisdom yeah. in there. Yeah. Mark McClure, I know you just had him on the other day. Everybody's, I could just listen to that guy for like an hour, you know. Everybody has put amazing, you know, offered amazing stuff. Completely unselfishly. I mean, mm-hmm. as you are, as you know, safety people are remarkably unselfish. Mm-hmm. At least the vast majority of them, the people that have come on the show, much like yourself, people that come on and share their experiences and share knowledge and information that everybody can benefit from. Yeah, you know, without expectation. So I, I've really, I've grown as a safety professional over the last four years listening to other safety professionals totally it has truly been to my benefit so are you going to keep going with the podcast um, i'm about i am reaching out <laughs> it is time to go out for money <laughs> yeah, oh, so yeah. which is like one of the things that i am not a bootstrap podcaster yeah i, I have to have support so totally well it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to put this on uh it is a lot of work and it's not cheap man these you know these folks here at herd at media are like just like sucking me dry, (laughs) you know, the money part of it, you know, I mean, it's, it is not cheap. And so I have been really fortunate to have a number of incredibly generous sponsors help me, Mm -hmm. but a number of them are running up on a year now. So I have to go back out and ask for more money, which is always difficult for me. If I did not believe in this, I I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I believe so strongly in the, then in what we're doing here, just, just providing some electronic mentorship. You know, yeah. that, that it doesn't pain me quite so much to go out and ask for help. Totally. So. As soon as I get. So that's As soon up. as I ramp up, you'll be talking about my list. your first 10 million bucks or something, <laughs> let me know. 10,000. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, you know, I've had I'm people. <laughs> you know, my good friend Dale Kugler uh, donated like almost like a Patreon kind of thing, like 12 bucks, a dollar a month. Yeah, that would, I think people would be totally down for that. You should open that up. I, you are welcome to contribute. Oh, is it on your website? No, it's uh, just what? word Come of on, mouth. Put it out there. If you want to donate to the, what's the hazard podcast, you are more than welcome to do it. I've had a number of people, Mark Damon, 
Randy Stevenson. They just send a check that, hey, man, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And um, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, it just has Crowd, to, the check has to clear. That's all I really am asking. So <laughs> you love it. So this has been a real joy for me. I appreciate your driving over. I loved it so and much. Spending some time. And I, I look forward to seeing your business continue to grow. Hopefully we can qualify and get on the page. Um, you'll have a working relationship with the guys and, and gals that take over my business at some point. So love it. Thank and you I, so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. You too. And your trip. Thanks. Are you leaving today? Today. Oh my God, we got to get you to the airport. Oh my, let's see. Well, I'll be on my way soon. Good for you. How long a trip is it to Melbourne? Um, you have to stop many hours. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, they refuel in the air, like at the air, the military, or I do you actually, actually stop have somewhere? four legs. So, really? Yeah. Oh One in gosh. Fiji. Should have had a stopover. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to Fiji. Oh, that's not horrible. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I Good hope it's a wonderful trip. Thank you that so much. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We've been fascinating information from Lyndon. Um, check out her website. What's the website? EHSSupportSource.com. EHSSupportSource.com. And you can find her, Lyndon, at EHSSupportSource.com. Yeah. Connect with her. Get on the website. Check it out. Have a great weekend, and I, won't, I probably will not speak to you before Thanksgiving, so I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy family, friends, however you choose to celebrate it. And we will talk to you possibly next Friday. Not quite sure if Herdat is open next Friday. Dylan's sitting back there going, he will come, show up and unlock the doors for us. So if we do have an episode, we'll talk to you next Friday. If not, we'll catch you after the holidays. Thanks, everybody. Thank talk you. to you later. A Huda Media Production.